Hello, I'm Ian Cheeseman and this is the Forever Blue podcast. Thanks very much for your company once again. And thanks for all your nice comments about previous editions of the podcast. A big thank you to Charles Louis Group, an advisory business who advise on development finance, mortgage advice and estate agency. Uh, they started out life as a simple mortgage company offering buy to let first-time buyer and moving home mortgages, but they now provide support for the whole property transaction process, including an independent estate agent, an expert commercial financial team, and a renowned mortgage team. If you follow them on Twitter, and I'm constantly putting their uh, Twitter handle uh, in tweets that I do, then you will see the type of properties and the feedbacks that they get, which is always A+. plus. So um, I would suggest that if you're buying or selling a house or you want some advice, then get in touch with them. They're very supportive of me, and I'm sure they'll be very supportive of you as well, cause the blues. That's the main thing, isn't it? Now, in terms of the podcast tonight, um, our star guest is uh, is the, the the man who headed the, the setup for the 1976 League Cup final goal of Dennis Stewart, but that's often forgotten. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, a man who is a, a, a massive, massive Manchester City hero, Great, great player who won medals galore at City. Still around now, still goes around all of the, the various lounges that you can go to. Um, and he will forever be a, a Manchester City legend. And he is Tommy Booth. So, Tommy, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Um, we've also got uh, Tony, who's one of the Forever Blue uh, regulars. And Andy, who is uh, not a regular, but he has been involved before. So thanks very much to the two of you for getting involved. Now, I'm going to separate the, the podcast tonight into sort of three main subject areas. We're going to talk a little bit later on to Tommy particularly, but to reminisce a little bit about the old days. What's wrong with that? Uh, we're also going to talk about the hot topic, which is a breaking story as we're recording this podcast, which we're recording it at around about 7.30 on Sunday evening UK time. So depending on where you are in the world, that gives you an idea when we do it. And just a, a little heads up, by the way, that next week's podcast will be recorded not on Sunday, um, as we normally do, but on Monday evening, because it's, of course, the League Cup final um, at Wembley. And I'm fortunate enough to have one of those who've got a ticket, so I'll be going down. So I won't be able to record the podcast um, on the Sunday evening. So it'll be a day later than normal. But the reason I'm, I'm explaining the time of this recording is because um, as I'm speaking, um, a big story in, in the football world is the potential, and that's all it is as we're speaking, it might have changed by the time you're listening to this, but the potential breakaway Super League of clubs, which depending on which version of the story you, you read, City are or are not signed up to. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But we're going to start by talking about the FA Cup semi-final. Now, I was down there at the game, covering the game for Sony TV India. So I was in the empty stadium watching the game. And it's harder to judge how fans are going to react when you're watching it, because I thought, um, is this game so dull um, uh, and not, not great because I'm watching it in an empty stadium with no atmosphere? Or is it actually not very good? When I got home later, I saw a lot of people saying that they didn't think that City were up for it and it wasn't uh, you know, a particularly good City performance has been lots of suggestions as to why that is. Uh, team selection by Pep Guardiola. Players are out of form. We talked on the podcast last week about Raheem Sterling, who's had some criticism from some City fans and also Benjamin Mendy. Uh, but it, it seemed to be a collective failure. And then, of course, there was also the injury to Kevin De Bruyne and how serious that might be. Uh, now, I know, Tommy, you were out playing golf yesterday, but I assume that you had the chance to watch the game. Um, what, what did you make of that performance against Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of people, you know, because of what we used to uh, see from City, and when we don't do it, we tend to look for excuses and this and the other. Chelsea, you know, Chelsea played well, but I mean, you, you're disappointed afterwards when you see how City played and certain players didn't seem to be uh, up for it or wasn't might not have been fit enough. But, but you, you, I would always leave it with Pep to sort things out. But saying that, on the other hand, we didn't seem to be up for it that night. Now, obviously, one of the arguments Pep would probably use if he was part of our podcast, and by the way, if you're listening, Pep, 
you're always welcome. Um, one of the things he would say was that having played three games, uh, a game every three days, basically all season, there's no way that he can keep the same team, especially now it's getting to this stage. But he did make a lot of changes against Leeds and they lost to Leeds. He played what would probably be regarded his strongest team against Dortmund and they won. And then he made, I think it was eight changes for the FA Cup semi-final. I don't know what he'll do against Villa. And then, of course, there's the League Cup final on the first leg against Paris Saint-Germain. Do you have any sympathy for, for that predicament that, that peps in, Tommy? Or do you think that he should have played a stronger team yesterday? Or is that not really the point? I think I can only go go on about when I, I was playing years ago when uh, we if, if we had a game in midweek we didn't train as hard and that's what we wanted we wanted to play two games a week because if we didn't Monday morning we used to be at Wittenshire Park and we had a training session that would honestly it was horrendous I mean but we, we always did it if we didn't have a game in midweek so when we played in midweek we just toned everything down and we love playing two games a week. So when you say, when you say, is that, you know, is it, because these lads now, they're, they're super fit. And I just think, you know, I, I can't see that being anything too much games. I mean, because once you play and you're playing well and winning, you can't wait for the next game. Playing devil's advocate, though, I know Pep had said to you, that's a different era, Tommy. We're in a different era now. You, you can't play two games like that regularly in a week, week after week. Uh, what would you say to Pep if he said that to you? Uh, just, just to say, like, uh, nowadays, I mean, there's, not much, there's no tackling from behind. Where in our day, <laughs> it, was tackling every, it was tackling from behind, from the side. Above your neck, whatever. You, I mean, in them days, it was it was really, you know, couldn't drive, and you, you you took it and you, you gave it out. But uh, yeah, I, I I honestly say that two games a week, we used to love playing that because we didn't train as hard. Tony, obviously, uh, well, I'm assuming that you weren't a player. Um, you you may have uh, secret skills and abilities that I'm not aware of, but. Uh, do you have any sympathy for Pep when he says they can't do it and making all these changes? How do, how do you look at that semi-final defeat? Um, not really. Um, I kind of agree to, in terms of what's been said because um, if we look kind of the difference in the quality of, and no disrespect to what I say, but the quality of the football in terms of they are elite athletes these days compared to what they were. Um, you know, there's obviously the drinking culture's gone out of the game a lot and things like that. Um, and even there, just fitness levels and those one percent that Pep's uh, always going on about. I do I, just, just before you go any further, just let me say to Tommy, was there a drinking culture when you were playing? Were you not supreme <laughs> athletes, Tommy? I mean, it, you were the same as the modern footballers, weren't you? Uh, you, get, you got to, I mean, if you was playing during the week, Wednesday, you, you couldn't go out at all anywhere three days before or playing Saturday, you know, when they were to the cut-off point. But, yeah, we, did, we, we, we stuck by all the rules. But uh, after the game, we tend, tended to go out and uh, enjoy ourselves. <laughs> Happy with that answer, Tony? Yeah, I mean, as I say, it does, yeah, I think it's one of those that um, we've got the players now in terms of our squad that we should be able to... In theory, we should be able to rotate and they'll beat Chelsea in that sense. But the thing with the players we have and the players that played yesterday is players breed off confidence and they play better the more they play together, the more they know each other. I mean, I know Sterling's got a bit of a dip in form at the moment and I think that is down to confidence. Um, but we can't expect players that, I mean, was it Torres has played eight or nine games this season he started? You can't really expect him to then come in and be give a world-class performance. I do think rotation has a slight part of why we lost yesterday. But also, we seem to be in second gear for most of the first half. And then in the second half, until we went a goal down, we didn't kind of push to that uh, high level, really. Um, so, yeah, I was disappointed. Um, but in all honesty, I think it was... A bit of a wake-up call. If Leeds wasn't the week before, I don't know what was. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call for the next few games because if we look at the fixtures ahead, 
obviously we've got the Carabao Cup, uh, we've got Aston Villa in there, and obviously then we've got PSG as well. Um, and yeah, I think we need to uh, look at what we're going to do going forward. Mm. Well, Andy's sitting there like a coiled spring, I suspect. So <laughs> I'm going to unleash him now. What, what, what's your uh, verdict, Andy? Oh, well, I think Tony and Tommy have used the <clears throat> the right adjective, which is disappointing. Um, eight changes was probably a step too far. Um, if Pet feared that we he wanted to avoid injuries to key player, that came to bite him in the bum, didn't it, in relation to Kevin getting injured. But um, at the end of the day, I suppose, to use a, an analogy, if you're on a, on a ship and you have a chance to save four people from it sinking, and one, three of those are already in a lifeboat, and the other one is sliding out of you, do you let one go to save the other three? And I think that was Pep's thought process, that this is the one we can afford to let go. And it, because we're only one win away from one trophy and um, maybe a couple of wins out of, out of six games for another, and the ultimate prize being the, uh, you know, the Champions League is what I think he wants, even though he won't actually admit it publicly. So I think he was prepared to take to take risks, which he may not, which I don't think he will take with the others. Um, surely, surely the FA Cup semi-final, and um, I mean, you know, Leicester are playing Southampton as we speak, but you'd have to look at whoever won that semi-final yesterday would win the FA Cup. I mean, I know it's. It's not played like that and upsets can happen. We saw City lose against Wigan a few years ago, but there would be odds on, surely, to win the FA Cup if they'd beaten Chelsea. So um, having got past Cheltenham and Birmingham and Swansea and Everton, you know, you don't just throw the towel in when you get to a semi-final, do you? No, I agree. I'm, I'm just giving you what I, how I think Pep's thinking. Or may have thought, he might well deny that, but still he thought that, he could beat Leeds with with that number of changes, and he and he, he held a similar view. And I think Tony's got it absolutely spot on when he says that when you know Ferran Torres is coming in with about I mean, seven or eight starts, and and you're playing players off form, then you're either hoping for a complete switch and change around in that form that players can play themselves out of bad form and into good form by you know a piece of magic. But when you put basically <laughs> three, arguably four players in the same team or, or not exactly at playing the top of their game, then, then the risk is, you know, is is magnified even more so. And so Sterling, Jesus, argument, arguably, Mendy and, and, uh, and Torres were not in the top of their form. And Chelsea, you know, in fairness to them, they, 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 they press very hard from the front. Um, and it wasn't as if our midfield players were readily in a good position to receive the ball and then get the ball forward to a forward line that um, wasn't, as I say, on the, on the game. And with two holding players playing as well, I guess the idea was one stayed, one went. Well, Rodri's never played that advanced role. So it was, it was falling on Fernandinho, who arguably was our best player in an otherwise disappointing performance. Because like Fernandinho does, he never hides. He, he wants the ball in all areas of the pitch. Um, so I think in, in many, many respects, there was too much, too much change. And, and, that, and that told overall, plus the fact no, no opposition turns up with a view to losing. Um, and Chelsea played very well and deserved, deserved to go through. How do you feel, Tommy, about the criticism that's, that's being aimed at Raheem Sterling and Benjamin Mendy. I mean, a few weeks ago, it might have been Riyad Mahrez that was getting the, the stick from City fans. And, and now, um, when they don't win the game, they're saying, well, why didn't he start? I mean, is that fans being fickle? Is, you know, I mean, looking for a scapegoat because, because uh, a game's been lost. I mean, last week I stood up on the podcast for Raheem Sterling and said I still believed in him and still think he's a, a really good player. But he is getting a lot of criticism. So yeah. you'll have played in a team, no doubt, where somebody in that team will have will have been the scapegoat when when you lose a match. It's always been like that, hasn't it? Yeah, it's always been like that. We had we had a couple of lads like that in, in when I played. But to me, it's I mean they're giving the dead everything, all the players, and uh, 
I think over the last so many years now with City winning so many trophies, I think the fans just expect it. And when they don't, when we don't get to the final or we don't do well in it, who's to blame is the players. So, so mm. they all have a go at the, and, and individual players. And you know what it's like individuals. You don't know, he's, he's having a go at one player, then someone else has a go, someone else, then all of a sudden you get you get it and it snowballs. But, uh, but the th- thing is, and all, I, I asked City supporters if we could, if like start the season, I says, what would you like to win the most? And now some of you guys might say the same thing. And they said the league. And I says, I can't believe it. I'd, I'd want the Champions League because we've never done it. I don't know what you think about that, lads, but that's that's my. But a lot of a lot of the city supporters said they want to win the league again. Well, let's let's ask these two then. I mean, I'll give you my answer, which is basically, uh, I'm with you. I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to see City win the league now in the most dramatic possible ways, and to go toe to toe with Liverpool and Centurions and. The Aguero moment. I've seen City win the League Cup with you in the team, setting up Dennis for the the winning goal. I've seen them win it in recent years back to back. The FA Cup, yeah, yeah, Torre. And now I'm desperate to see win City win the Champions League. Um, but I'm not sure as men. And obviously, we're going to talk in a few moments about Europe even more. Uh, but I'm not sure City fans really see it like that. I think a lot of City fans do still see it as the priority to win the Premier League. Tony, where are you on that? Yeah, I think um, for me, I'm one of them, to be honest. I always say Premier League first. Um, I do put a lot more emphasis on the domestic dominance. Um, That being said, I think that this year was slightly different for me, knowing, um, I I speculated at the beginning of the season, it may be Aguero's last one, and that's going to be true. But um, I would have liked us to do it last year for Silver as well. Um, and I do think that it would be nice to win it. Um, for me, it wouldn't have been my priority. I think, to be honest, though, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, for me, I think I would have said the Premier League and the Champions League. I don't think it's one or the other for me. I think we've got the team that we could do both um, and we should be able to do both. I don't think there should be one that's prioritised over the other. Um, yeah. out of all the competitions, I probably would have let the Carabao go. I know people say it's our cup, the amount of times we've won it in a row and the amount of times we've won it. But I would have liked to see us do, you know, it, out of Carabao and the FA, I would prefer the FA. Um, but no, I think amongst City fans, there's a lot of, um, a bit of apathy, I suppose, with regards to the Champions League um, because of UEFA and the history behind that, obviously in terms of doing the anthem and things like that and uh, various reasons they have for doing that. And I think that's the main reason why it's lower down on uh, a lot of City fans' priority list and that most, a lot of them would prefer the, um, the Premier League. But as I say, at the moment, given where we are in this season, I would say Champions League. Andy? I'm old school. Um, it's the league for me. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a greater achievement over 38 games. Um, you have to look at the year Liverpool won the Champions League. Their record in the Champions League over 13 games was worse than their return over 38 games to come second. You know, they lost three and drew one, I think, of their 13 matches to win the Champions League, which goes to show how more difficult it is to win um, the, 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 the Premier League. So for me, it's that. But prestige-wise, the Champions League, comes with all sorts of kudos, I think, for the club, and it's what the owners want. And ultimately, I suppose, it's exactly what the players want. So whilst I would um, not dismiss it, it's out of hand, of course I wouldn't. Um, but if you you know, if you know, put a gun to my head, it's a Premier League or the Champions League, then I'd choose a Premier League. But it's, it's, a, very, it's a very fine line between the two. Mm. Well, the two of, us have, two of us now, me and Tommy, are sort of saying we'd like to see the Champions League. You two are... Um, saying that the Premier League is a priority. So um, that brings us into the topic of the moment, which is Europe, which is that today, uh, Sunday, um, there has been suggestion that several clubs in Europe, including five or six Premier League clubs, have signed up in principle to a European Super League. The response from the Premier League, the FA, 
the Football League, UEFA, FIFA and all the European leagues has been, if you do that, then we're booting you out of all your domestic competitions and your players won't be able to play in World Cups and European Nations Cups, etc. Now, that, that cartel, let's call them a cartel of clubs, which doesn't include any clubs from Germany at the moment, but does include uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, AC Milan, Juventus, Inter Milan, just, just to name some of the other clubs. Um, if that is true and that is announced, um, are going to face fierce competition from fans, I think. I mean, I've, you know, I think the sort of finger in the air, Paul, is that most fans are livid about this. Uh, Gary Neville has done a big uh, sort of speech and put it on, well, it was on Sky, obviously, on social media. Um, saying how disgusted he is and suggesting that if clubs have signed up for this, uh, that they should be deducted points and, uh, you know, dealt with very, very firmly. And this needs to be taken control of. Now, my own view is that having had City take on UEFA to break the cartel, um, you know, have the right to break the cartel and spend their own money to get uh, to become bigger and, and catch up with some of the other clubs, which I completely backed and was right behind. Now, if they be- become part of the cartel, which excludes everybody else, that would smack of massive hip- hypocrisy. Now, as we stand here now, um, we don't know for sure that City are part of that. They haven't. There's not been anything confirmed, and it could even be as Gary Neville was suggesting in his rant, that when it comes round to 9.30 on Sunday evening, that there is no announcement and that all these clubs then go, well, we didn't sign up for it. What are you talking about? Just a wicked rumour. I'm completely back off because they've misjudged the, the, the scene. So I can't, I can't be at this point opinionated really about City stance because I don't officially know what City stance in is. All I will say is that um, the principle of a European breakaway league, which excludes everybody else, um, it, I'm dead against, absolutely dead against. And I would be very, very disappointed if Manchester City were part of that. So let me ask you three how you feel. Um, I mean, Tommy, obviously, you're an ex-player. Um, you played in Europe with, with City, so I'm sure you enjoyed those European exploits and won the European Cup Winners' Cup back in 1970. If City were part of a, a potential breakaway Super League, and it is an if at this stage, what do you think? Are you in favour of that or, or do you think City are making a mistake if they're getting involved in that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not... I, I mean, I would, I would think... Uh, to, to go that way down down that line where where they're, they're supposed to be going is an non-entity for the uh, city supporters. It was it's just there, uh, and it, and to be at the end of the day, it's all about money. And the clubs have not been mentioned, but I've just heard not long ago that City are supposed to be one of them, and so <laughs> you get that, and you, you think to yourself, well. You know where's it going to end, and you just you just fear for the worst. Can you imagine a scenario where, if they went through with it, and then, you know, obviously FIFA and UEFA and all these leagues did what they said they were going to do, that City would no longer play a domestic league, wouldn't be involved in the FA Cup, wouldn't be involved in the League Cup, and would just play against these top European sides, and that that, that would be the complete yeah. fixture list. Can you can you imagine that? No, can't imagine it at all. Hey. Can't imagine it at all. I mean, it, you, you, you just hope that uh, someone sees sense along the way and, uh, you know, just... Uh, I, I don't know how you're going to stop it, to be honest, truthful. But the be-all and end-all is, is a money thing. Tony, uh, I know you always have opinions on stuff like this. Well, that's why you're all here, really, for the opinions. So um, what's your take on it? Um, I agree, to be honest. Um, I think it's ridiculous. Um, it is more about the owners than it is about the fans. I think if you have a Super League um, or a European Super League, whatever they want to brand it as, where it's becoming, it protects the cartel um, and it's driven predominantly by, in my opinion anyway, um, some of the old big clubs in that sense, like your Barcelona's, Real Madrid's, um, your Arsenal's, where they don't necessarily go as far um, as often in the Champions League. They lose revenue. 
um, and their domestics that aren't bringing in laden by debt. And it's one way for them to increase those revenues for the owners. I think if you go ahead with this, you'd then rip away the soul of football, which is the local fan base. You're, obviously, I know we have an international fan base and they're not saying anything bad against that. What I'm saying is that, you know, most clubs in England and the Premier League and the prestige the Premier League had came from its competitiveness. And if you get rid of that um, and you go to European Super League into this MLS kind of, you don't get relegated and that side of it. You don't then have fans from one city. You've got fans of the world kind of traveling around. And I just think it's the soul of wherever, wherever you support city uh, in the world, the soul has always been based in Manchester in that sense. And you affiliate yourself with Mancunians and the Mancunian fans. Um, it doesn't matter where you support them from, but you always kind of see that identity. Um, and I think you will lose that when you go to a Super League. Um, and also, I just think that it's all about the owners rather than the uh, yeah. the clubs themselves and the fans. And I think that, yes, UEFA isn't great. You know, I'd love to see big changes in the Champions League. Um, for example, you know, we're about to hit the semi-finals and to have a two-leg semi-final is ridiculous. I think we should only have, you know, there's changes that could be done at UEFA. Don't get me wrong, they're not perfect. But at the same time, um, this I just can't get on board with whatsoever. It's worth saying, by the way, that the timing of this announcement or potential announcement, if it happens, and as I say, you could be listening to this on Tuesday and saying, no announcements come, what are you talking about? Because we don't know, we're talking about current news, but um, there is supposedly an even more definite announcement on Monday that the UEFA will restructure, and they announced the restructuring of the Champions League from 2024. Um, so this would mean that instead of playing six group games, uh, between the sort of September, December, in that September to December period, you would actually pay, play 10 games. Now, it seems to be a bit of a complicated system. You don't play the same teams home and away, and I don't quite understand the format, but the, the basic thing is that you play 10 games instead of six. Um, probably mean a restructuring of the Premier League, maybe uh, from 20 clubs down to 18. It might mean that the, the clubs in Europe don't enter the League Cup, for example, or it's agreed that they play their under-23s or something in that competition. Uh, but it would certainly, either way, whether it's a European Super League, which is the complete breakaway, or it's the UEFA reimagined Champions League, um, there's going to be a lot more emphasis on, on Europe. I mean, Andy, uh, obviously you were said before that your first choice is the Premier League. So how do you feel about what you're hearing today? Is it alarming you? Is it worrying? Is it making you angry? Or are you just nonplussed by it all? Well, I'm not surprised by it. Um, but um, there's two things, really. I mean, as you say, we'll find out more as time goes by, but I... I do wonder whether or not the, these clubs, in particular the, the, the two um, leading protagonists from the from the EPL, Liverpool and, and United, are not trying to play a, uh, a kind of game of poker with with uh, UEFA. They've seen the proposals that are going to be announced for the new Champions League from 2024. I don't know what their views, those particular clubs, what are their views on that on that process? But if they're in, theory, it, in theory, just sorry to interrupt you, Andy, but in theory, the new restructuring benefits teams like uh, or clubs like Arsenal because Arsenal won't qualify for the Champions League this yeah. year. But under the new system that even UEFA are introducing, they would probably get in on their previous record as a sort of wild card um, so you would think that that they would feel quite protected in their involvement in the Champions League going forward anyway wouldn't you you would think so but again not knowing the, the finer details but I think it was only meant to be one wild card place which is like across all of Europe um, so it might be Arsenal it could be you know it, it could be you know Feyenoord you, you, you don't necessarily know but I think that what they wanted and what they what they maybe reluctantly agreed to with, with, with two separate things and therefore they're, they're, they're trying this not for the first time this they've threatened a Super League breakaway to try and adjust or change what UEFA have actually proposing to get something more much closer to what they actually want that's how, so that's what I think they're trying to do um, but they're calling UEFA's bluff but, but as all the leagues are ganging up against them um, as well as UEFA and FIFA um 
And it seems to me that they, they may well have backed themselves into a corner and they, they're pretty much going to have to like drop it or before that maybe they, they'll drop it before they even announce it. But if they do, then the risks are huge. I mean, if you're like, say, pick any given player, um, from, let's pick around Kevin De Bruyne, for example. If he says, right, you're in this new Super League, but as from now on, you will be playing in the European Championship this summer and you will not be going to the World Cup next year. Well, the clubs can break away, but if they've got no players, because because the players they want to attract are the very ones who aspire to be in world and European Cup finals and you know and uh, South American finals, so I, I think that they're trying to play hands here to try and force something more along the lines of what they want, and maybe this time UEFA will stand up and say no, this is what we've got, take it or leave it. If you if you're going to break away. Try it, just try it on. See what happens. And, and normally, well right. I don't. Yeah, normally I don't back you away for in this instance. I you may well be right. I mean, obviously, we probably all remember the Kerry Packer uh, cricket yeah. thing, which was pretty similar in that they attracted, you know, um, top players to break away from their own organisations. I mean, Gary Neville's very unapologetically really um, saying well you know if these clubs actually announce this and sign up to it they should be immediately deducted points um, and obviously we're a, a city podcast so we can talk about it in general and we can't at the moment commit to saying you know we're disgusted at city or well done city for not getting involved because we don't actually know for sure whether first of all they're involved or secondly, whether this announcement will come at 9.30 this evening. But I feel very strongly that, that I don't want to see my club involved. And actually, when I hear that uh, Bayern Munich and the German League have said that they have made statements already, I'm thinking, well, why are we not hearing from our club sort of saying, listen, you know, we, we've heard the rumours, same as you, don't worry, we're not involved in this we're not signing up they're just keeping quiet as we as we sit here now maybe by as i keep repeating myself by the time you're listening to this podcast the the story may have moved on but we can only deal with it as it is at the moment would you like to see city distance themselves from from this sort of talk tommy the thing is though uh, Ian, what you're talking about there is the clubs are going to look at it financially wise and that's that's what comes into it all the time is money and, this, and I think this is the main thing again. And they're going to look into it, see if it's good for them. And But uh, I don't know. I think I think there's going to be a hell of a lot of trouble ahead if if, if it goes, if things go ahead like they want them to. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be good to see over the next couple of months what happens. Tony? But, but you could, you could get, once you get the big teams in wanting to do it, well, who knows? Who knows? For me, I mean, the whole principle of it strips away the magic of football. Um, you know, as fans, we've all been on a journey over the last 10, 15 years even, dropping to, you know, obviously um, the lower tiers of football to climb back up to winning the Premier League, look at Leicester winning the Premier League, getting into Champions League. That's all part of the riders' fans and what every club should be able to do to then have a closed competition to say that nobody can join, nobody can uh, get relegated. You it will very quickly become boring because it's the same teams, it's the same, um, and it doesn't wash with me really. But I mean, yes, I would like City to come out and distance themselves, but realistically, I can't see it happening uh, without a joint statement because. I think that if there's money to be earned, we would have been involved in talks along with the other ones, uh, the other clubs, regardless of what I'd like to think our club is about in terms of saying, well, that's not us. I think, you know, the, the realist in me says that they probably were involved in some form of talks because they didn't want to be left out with that money spinner. Um, and this is why we're having a collective um, statement, if it does come out anyway, rather than all the individual clubs coming out and saying, we're not part of that, we're not part of that. It's because they have been agreeing collectively and they don't want to then burn those bridges for down the line because I remember this story, was it in August or September last year that was coming about, about this Super League? And a lot of the clubs after all the backlash distanced themselves and we weren't a part of that originally. Um, but at that time, I think it was FIFA that came out and said that they're doing changes to their Club World Cup as well. 
Um, so to expand that, I think it's 24 teams or something like that. Um, and then obviously they were saying at that point, if you play in that competition, you won't be allowed to play in the World Cup. And I just can't see many players jumping on board, regardless of whether the clubs do, if they can't play for their country in the World Cup, which is arguably one of the greatest things you can do as a player, um, is playing the World Cup for your country. Andy? Well, I mean, I was as you were talking, I was just checking on the City website to see if they have made an announcement, and they haven't. Um but it's an interesting, I don't know whether I'm allowed to or not, Ian, but to actually just read three paragraphs from an article that's just been come out in the Daily Mail, sorry, the Daily Mirror. They say the row centres over the clubs wanting a greater share of the commercial rights, the TV deal, and they believe UEFA should primarily be the competition's regulator, not the commercial partner. The clubs are annoyed that UEFA takes such a huge slice of the profits when it is the clubs on the back of a crippling pandemic who are taking all the risks by buying the players, putting on all of the spectacular games, and they are the ones selling the tickets. They have backed down from initial plans to include more clubs based on coefficients, qualified by previous European success, and also reaching next year's Champions League merely by getting through the knockout stages. But they feel as if UEFA are not meeting them halfway, they are not involving them in discussions, and yet UEFA want to pocket all of the rewards. So it is money. And that's what, which leads back to what I said a little earlier about the fact that they're, they're, just, they're just playing a hand of cards on, to see if they can pull their bluff and get something much more in keeping with the sort of financial rewards they want putting in all the efforts. It's just how badly UEFA want to get into a, not just a football fight, but a legal fight. But as a fan, if this if City went into this situation, um, then after supporting City for 51 years, seeing my first match in 1970, since I think it's older, since 1981, I'd say, bye-bye, I'll do the gardening on Saturday. And I think it's been being driven a lot by some of the big, you know, as I say, the old guards, I suppose, that are heavily laden by debt. And one thing that they've shot themselves in the foot walk, you know, is the FFP. And, you know, we've gone over that yeah. on the podcast uh, time and time again. But, um, you know, FFP, it wasn't fit for purpose. Um, but, you know, we've seen the reports of Barcelona, is it uh, over billions of pounds in debt? Um, mm. Obviously, we all know United's debt history. Um, and it's all about trying to cover that debt and COVID kind of has exasperated um, the need to get more revenue coming in. And that's what it's all been down to is money in debt um, trying to service those debts and repay them. Um, look at, look at oh, definitely. And this is why I don't think um, we have to be involved, but I think we're just worried about missing the golden goose and uh, not having our share of that pie if it comes along. Well, the thing with a golden goose, it might well lay an egg that looks gold, but it's probably just painted on the surface and it's just lead underneath. So I don't think we need to be engaging with this whatsoever. And I think City pretty much have always kept their counsel. Caldoun has never come out and said anything untoward at any given point. He, he watches what's going on and his, and his statements on behalf of Sheikh Mansour have always been carefully carefully calculated and have always been in the best interest of the club and I will, I will be surprised and saddened if they decide to saddle themselves with this arrangement. Well, let's hope that um, that this thing doesn't come to fruition. Um, but ultimately, I think everybody's saying you're right, Tommy. It's all about money. Um, it's, a, it's a power struggle uh, between the clubs who um, feel that they're not getting a big enough slice of, of the cake financially. That, that seems like the, the root of it all, doesn't it? Yeah, I th- your silence speaks a million uh, a million words, uh, Tommy. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you were talking. No, no, it's, it's, it's like we say. I, I agree with all the lads, right? And it's like you say, a lot of clubs, you know, could end up going out, going out of what's it? You know, <laughs> I mean, we're we're in a state as it is now. We've what's going on with this pandemic going on? You know, and all this rubbish. But it's our game. Football is our game. We, 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 we look forward to going there week in, week out, supporting our own teams, whether they do well or they don't do well. And then you get some other people, so all I want to do, do such, such well, you know what I'm talking about. 
and uh, I don't know. I don't know. You just you just can't. It's all to do with money. It's all to do with money. Let me ask you a few questions then about your time playing, Tommy. Um, when what happened? How did you initially sign for City? Did were you scouted? I mean, how did that how did that come about? Yeah, I played for Middleton Boys, and uh, was a, a lad called Harry Godwin, who was the chief scout. Uh, see me play and said, uh, "Do you want to? You know, I'd like to, to come along and uh, train Tuesdays and Thursdays at night." So I did. Went down there Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, my dad used to take me, and then after a couple of months, they wanted to sign me apprentice pro. But my dad, don't forget, in them days, apprentice pro was a lot different than what it is now. Uh, but I, I could, I just thought that's great for me. I want to be an apprentice. That's brilliant. My dad won't let me do it. He says, "No, you get a trade behind your son because you never know if you're going to make in football." So I never spoke to my dad for two years, to be honest with <laughs> you. But then when I got, when I did start talking to him, it was simply because when I got to seventeen, playing for City, A and B team, they had to make a decision to sign me. Or let me go. So with me being an amateur, so 17, I signed full time. And the lads who had signed the apprentice pro, pro forms couldn't sign professional till they turned 18. So like I said, I started talking to my dad again then. Like, so. <laughs> so I got in I got in a year earlier than them as a pro. And then uh, just went on from there, then got the, just got on the side when I was 18, made my debut at Huddersfield. Uh, were you always a centre-half? Because you showed a great deal of skill in midfield when you were filling in for Colin Bell. No, no, I was uh, inside forward for the, at school and at, for Middleton boys. And it was Malcolm Allison who uh, see, seen me playing and just said, no, no, no you're not there. Playing at centre-half and that was it. You think you would have fitted in in the modern era because of that that sort of vision that Malcolm had? Because you know a lot of people have compared Malcolm to to Pep. You know that Malcolm was ahead of his time, and you know total football is what Pep's all about. And I know it, it was a more simplistic time back then, but I can't help thinking that that was really what Malcolm was all about, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a great coach, Malcolm. Great coach. And uh, Joe Mercer was a great manager. But Malcolm being Malcolm wanted to be manager as well, wanted to run everything. And that, that's what he wasn't. He wasn't, he was a great coach, not a manager. And it was a pity when they split up. Because, uh, you know, you know they, they had a great, they together, they were absolutely brilliant. It's it off well. But Malcolm always wanted to be manager. What, what do you look back on with the most pride, Tommy, from your career? Uh, just your medals, really, you know. I mean, you, you, you hope to win something year in, year out. And we, we did the double one year. We did the... We won, well, call it a double. It was a League Cup and then the European Cup with this cup. And, uh, you know... When we went over to uh, the order to play it, I mean, I think it was 4,000 in the stadium. <laughs> so, but uh, it, was, it was still, you know, it was still a great tournament to win in that. And uh, yeah, so. And, and usually when I go to the city supporters branches, they always take me medals with me because uh, I'm not, people say to me, why didn't you sell them? I said, I would never sell them. <laughs> so I've still got my medals. And if you want to see them, you come, come over and see them. The FA Cup medal is still the same as what it was years ago. And uh, I've got the European Cup with this cup. And that, I've got to tell you this story, lads. We got the we got the European Cup with this cup, the final played, and it was throwing it down. It was an open stadium. It was absolutely lashing it down. So we just got the medals and got in. Got in the changing room. And one of the lads opened the box and it says, we've got the wrong medal. <laughs> So he owned it, and it was a square box with a round indentation for the round medal, but it was a square medal that was sat on top of it. So we thought, we've got the wrong medal. 
So we went back out. They said, excuse me, we've got wrong record, but it wasn't. But I've still got the box as well. I mean, European Cup Winners' Cup final, and they put a square medal in a round hole for, in, a, in a box. It speaks volumes of UEFA, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's sounds very much we'll like UEFA. <laughs> you had a stint, you had a stint as a manager when you stopped playing, didn't you, Tommy? Yeah, Preston North End. I went to Preston for a couple of years with Tommy Doherty. Then the dot got uh, sacked, and Preston was struggling money wise. And I think that's why they said, "Do you want to be, uh, I said, you know, a manager for to the end of the season?" So I said, "Yeah." But it didn't go very well. Anybody who's ever met you, and, and I'm sure a lot of City fans will have met you at various different functions because you seem to be omnipresent at uh, every City function, will see you as sort of this easygoing, very jolly and, and, and friendly character. And I can't imagine you really as a manager. Did you, did you, is that why you failed or is there another side of you that we don't normally see? Oh, no. I mean, I had a go at, I had a go at the lads like, you know, I, I, you know, in the dressing room or on the pitch and that. Yeah, yeah you get into it. But it just, just, just wasn't working for me. And uh, probably seeing things like that, you, you think to yourself, I could have done better than that, you know, on the pitch I can do. But uh, as I say, I didn't even chase it. I just, it, it fell into my lap. And so I, I accepted it. And I resigned, to be honest, truthful. They didn't, they didn't have to sack me. And I resigned from them. And uh, that was it then. That was the last, yeah, I mean, it wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me. Not all great players make great managers, did he? Didn't, didn't Bobby Charlton have a go at managing Preston as well? Yeah, yeah he, he did, did right. Yeah. Bobby Charlton, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, when I, when I think back to you, I think about you as a player. I remember you being the manager and then you sort of disappeared for a while and then... I moved into my new, I've told you this story before, but I'll repeat it publicly. I'm, I'm here in my house, my new house, and I see this fella trudging up next door's um, front steps carrying a television. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, I've got a TV being delivered here or whatever. And I, and I think, hang on a minute, that's Tommy Booth carrying that uh, that TV up next. What, what was all that about then? What he was, was playing golf every day and going out with the lads weekend, having a drink, you know, enjoying life, you know. But I thought, I, I need, I've got to do something, I need something to do. So the missus uh, was working at Granada and she says, I'll, I'll get you the job. And I thought she meant, I didn't know what she meant. Anyway, so two days later, I go in, see him. Yeah, Tommy, we'd love to have you. And said, what it is, you're going to go out on the road delivering tellies, uh, videos, satellite systems and installing them as well and I tell you what lads I went sorry <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't even change a plug never mind installing and they said oh no we'll give you a we'll, we'll, we'll train you up in the workshop before so I said oh that's great so I did it they trained me for two days three day, after three days they give me a van and I went out delivering and installing televisions videos and satellite systems <laughs> That sounds like a Peter Swells training program, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I've got to tell you this, though, lads. One of them, there was there was a there's an old lady uh, and a girl, and uh, they, they, they wanted the the sky had gone, and I didn't have any equipment on me. Like, well, they drew me and said, "Oh, go, can you go and see what's up with it?" And they said, and it was completely blank. Well, I'd been in the, uh, I'd, I'd I'd done I'd done a. What do you call it when you, you know, they said, oh, you, you have a couple of hours uh, in, in the workshop. So in the workshop, this was a, a day before. And the lads were saying, Tommy, do you ever get this? It lines across your television when you see him. I said, yeah. I said, all it is, you take the back off and you solder, just that solder, that bit there, and it works. I said, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll try that, right, yeah. Which I thought, oh, you, you must be joking. I'm, I won't go anywhere near there. Put to these two old people, didn't have a watch, didn't have a telly left in there. And they were saying, Oh, the telly's gone, telly's gone. And I went and turned it on, and that white line came across it. So I thought, Sorry, because I've got the gear in the van. I said, so, so this, I'll have a go at it. So I got the soldering iron, and I took that, touched it, welded it. I put the, put the thing back on, 
turned on lads and it came on everything brother. and I went and she turned around the girl and she said oh, isn't it lovely when you know what you're doing and I thought if you did, it was all you do <laughs> honestly I was more I thought Jesus I mean just but uh, I, had, I had a great great couple of years there you know and then that was it then went elsewhere that tells me you've got the magic touch Tommy you had the magic touch as a player and you got the magic yeah. touch when you were working with television. What's your golf handicap? Oh, no, I'm not telling you a golf handicap. You can't tell it over the, over the phone. But, you know, uh, I ended up going into business with, on my own with, with our Paul, my brother. And we were doing, you know, sort of like uh, football, you know, football teams, you know, at the end of the year season, we had like a sports shop and we did all the medals trophies, this and that, for, for, the, for the winners, if they came in. And now Paul had a great idea. He says, well, what we'll do, we'll say, and you present them to me on the night. <laughs> so, so I said, what? i tell you what, lads, I was out nearly every bloody night presenting them. And they went, but we took off. We did. We had a business for a couple of years, maybe a few months. I bet it did. Um, yeah. Well, let, let's bring you back down to, to the, the current football then. Next weekend, City play. Well, first of all, let me ask you about Villa. I mean, obviously, United have won again. Um, so the gap has closed a little and it's, it's not alarming. And you would still imagine City will crawl over the line and get this Premier League title. But if they were to slip against Villa, and um, bearing in mind that there's the League Cup final on the Sunday and then Paris Saint-Germain on the Wednesday, you wonder... Is he going to try and rest players again, or does he play strongest team against Villa? Um, I, I, I just heard from Tommy, so I'll come back to him in a second. But Tony and Andy, I mean, are you do you have any concerns whatsoever about the Premier League title race, given the, the slip up against Leeds and the fact that I think my son said to me the other day, City have now lost three in the last seven. So there is, you know, there's been a a little bit of a slip of late, shall we say. Um, so is your glass half full or half empty? Is, is it, a, you know, the league's done and dusted, don't worry about it, whatever happens on Wednesday, or are you at all getting nervous? Um, in all honesty, um, I'm always nervous, uh, regardless of the game or who we play. Um, I think we, of all teams, know you can't count your chickens. Um, we've done it over the years, Um you know, famously, uh, I think it was against Stoke, holding the ball in the corner, um, ended up getting relegated and we didn't, we weren't secure, we counted our chickens then. Um, we've seen, you know, um, those at the Swamp do similar things um, in 2012, um, you know, all celebrating and then we came and won it, you know, at one point, they were nine points clear or whatever it was. So I'm never one to count my chickens um, <laughs> and I'm definitely not taking the league for granted until it's mathematically impossible. Um it all depends, really, when I see the team sheet, how confident I will be. I agree with Pep to a degree in terms of that we do need rotation. You've got to keep fresh legs. Um, but I would like to see that kind of four players rotated rather than eight and do wholesale changes because I just think that it has too much of an impact on us. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Castellville is going to be a, a walkover far from it. While we've been recording this, by the way, I have had a message from somebody who says that City have released information about Kevin De Bruyne's injury um, and it's, it doesn't look too serious. So hopefully, um, you know, he'll be back for the League Cup final at the very latest um, and those two games against Paris Saint-Germain. So uh, that, that's some good news. Are you nervous, Andy, about uh, the league or are you quite relaxed? I'm a little like Tony. I think it's it's built in, isn't it? That sort of like panic chip that's somewhere in your anatomy that you press every time City actually take to the field. But but no, not really. I suppose. Um, I mean, for the, for those of our of, of perhaps of our generation, can you remember the the, the Grand National in '73 where where Chris was so far ahead of Red Rum? You know, he probably had four four trophies in the saddlebags or something, Mark. But Red, Red Rum takes, takes the sort of image of United, but Villa aren't Red Rum, are they? Um, they're, 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 one of the, they're in the pack. Nothing to play for, per se. The Grealish, they're, they're star jockey, if you, if you, if you go with that, my, my take, isn't playing. So I think, you know, we, we'll have more than enough and then we'll beat, I'm confident we'll win, and then we'll beat Palace after that. And then all of a sudden... Palace, it's, it's Palace. Playing, Palace? Well, I mean, it's the next league game. Um, right, right, right. Got you, got you. What, what about the League Cup final then? I mean, 
there's going to be uh, 8,000 fans in there. Uh, mm. 2,000 of us are going to have two COVID tests before we go to the game. One COVID test after we go to the game. We're going to be feeling like pin cushions by the time we come back. You know, we're part of a government experiment. But there will be fans yeah. in there. Um, and I wonder if that makes any difference to the outcome of the game or whether that's got nothing to do with it. What, what do you think? What do you think on that, Andy? I think that's something that the players will basically will answer to. I think they'll be happy for some fans there, certainly. I mean, I would, I'd love to be there. I meet all the criteria. I've been double vaccinated. I'm an NHS worker. I don't live in Greater Manchester, but, but the point, I would only rather be there if we were all there, to be truthful. And I think most most fans would would, would say that. Um, I think Pep will, will go with his strong teams, a very strong side. I think he'll go for something in between what we saw yesterday and um, and what we saw against Dortmund will play against Villa. And then I think he'll pick his strongest 11 for Spurs and for PSG. And um, he'll, he and I and all of us will keep our fingers, toes and eyes crossed that there's no more injuries and, and Kev's back for, for both. But I fancy by the time, this time next week or by the end of Sunday next week, one trophy in the bag and one on the way to the other. Do you feel, Andy, that given that Paris Saint-Germain is three days after this League Cup final, that City will be in the right frame of mind even to take on Spurs. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I'm asking the question. I think players like to, you know, they'd like to go for trophies. And I think when, when that's, I mean, Tommy's probably best to answer this. In fact, you said so, Tommy, at the beginning. You know, you wanted to play Wednesday because you didn't want to have to do the training on the Monday morning. But, but I think if you're going for trophies on a, on a Sunday and a PSG game semi-final, you find energy you didn't even know you had. And if they can't give that sort of commitment for those sorts of games, then you've got to ask a question, why, on, why are, are they on the pitch at all? My concern with Spurs is just um, obviously Mourinho and his park in the bus because we seem to be um, struggling of late in terms of breaking teams down, pulling them away. We do have that patience and I understand what Pep says, we will get there in the end. But sometimes you run out of time and, you know, you can have all the chances in the world and let it go in the back of the net. It doesn't really count. So we can keep that possession and we can keep kind of, you know, pull teams out, make that space, get the goals. Um, but I don't think Spurs is going to be a walk in the park either. Um, I mentioned earlier with regards to rotation, I'd like to ask Tommy in terms of, because you never really made a song and a dance in terms of when you were dropped or where, uh, you know, we kind of signed a replacement in that sense, but it was Watson uh, in terms of replacement. What's your mentality when you feel like you're you're in form as a player to then not get the the call up for the next game? Yeah, what he was. I mean, I, the thing was when uh, Dave Watson came. I mean, I'd been uh, I'd, I'd had a, a really bad accident in the in the gym a couple a month before six two months before, and uh, I was doing weights weights. I've got going up and down and all of a sudden I've got this pain in my back and I, I didn't know what, what the hell it was. And I ended up at two slip discs, you know, they came out, the slip disc came out like, so they got me into the hospital, they had to operate on me, they operated on me. I've still got the uh, six or seven inch scar in the back here. They took two discs out, never put anything to replace them. Just they just well they didn't do that in them days and they don't well they don't do now but when I got up I remember getting up three or four days later he said come on get up now Tommy we're just going to help you out of bed and see how you feel I tell you what lads I thought play football again I'll, I'll be lucky to be, to walk I tell you what lads I couldn't walk I couldn't move it was I just thought no football was the furthest from you know from my mind. And uh, it took me about three months to get back training full time because uh, Freddie Griffiths, who was our, uh, our physio, worked on me morning, noon and night. And I got back and uh, I got back in the team. That's when I went playing in midfield. Mm. I played in midfield. I played in midfield in one of the cup finals as well. And someone said, someone said afterwards, he says, Tommy, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell who was who. He said, "Yeah." Someone said you look like Colin Bell in midfield, but the only thing that he didn't, they didn't think it was Colin Bell because uh, me, 
I mean, my hair was dark where Collins was great, uh, blonde. So if you well, believe that, lad, you believe anything. He made you back good enough to uh, carry a telly around anyway, so I did that <laughs> all right. What, 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 just his final word from you, Tommy, on this podcast. Uh, are you feeling confident that City will win that League Cup final next week? Yeah. I do honestly. I mean, he's he's got he's got the lads there, and uh, they'll be up for it. They'll be up for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, listen. Thanks very much, Tommy, for for joining us tonight. Uh, really appreciate oh, it. To Andy and to Tony, of course, as well. Thank you for for subscribing, etc. And just a reminder that next week's podcast we normally record on a Sunday evening, but because the League Cup final is four thirty kickoff at Wembley, and I'm lucky enough to be going. That means I'm not going to get back in time to record a podcast that evening. So we'll record it on Monday evening. So it will be a day later than you would normally expect. But um, in the meantime, thanks very much uh, for listening. Thanks to charleslouis.co.uk, the Chartered Mortgage Advisors, who are the sponsors of this podcast. Um, Without them, there wouldn't be a podcast. And certainly tonight, there would have been no podcast without Tony, Andy and the great Tommy Boo. So thanks very much and thanks for listening. And, uh, despite the defeat in the FA Cup semi final, which, uh, you know, it's always disappointing when your team loses, but you know what? It's still and always will be great to be a blue. <laughs>